day of bread. You don't want to miss it. It's Easter Sunday. And did you know that Easter Sunday is the last Sunday in March this year? I mean, it's early. So get ready for what God wants to do among us. It's going to be a day you'll never forget. I can guarantee you that. Wow. Welcome to Superfan Sunday. Yeah. What an awesome God. What a privilege it is to be a part of his family. Let me just say, if you're in a relationship, you do not want to miss this Friday night right here at 7 o'clock. Going to be powerful with Mike and Connie Hammer. That's Tori's mom and dad. They're relationship experts, and they're coming to share with us, and we're excited about that. So uh, get, get yourself here. If you need child care, make sure you let Isaiah know that. How about that breakfast tailgate this morning? Come on. I got the, to taste the first casserole that got here before y'all did. And uh, amazing. Let's hear it for the ladies who, who cooked for us this morning. Yeah. And I'm excited about this this weekend as well as we minister to the young moms. And I want to say thank you to those who have given to Captives No More. And uh, that we're just topping it off today with the dessert, right? But y'all have are going to bless these moms. And it's just a... It's a privilege to be a part of such a generous church, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, today, also, because of your generosity and many others, uh, we're having an open house in our new five- and six-year-old class. So make sure you stop by right next to the punching bag and check it out. I just want to say thank you again to those who gave of themselves uh, during this time. The Doughton family. Uh, what a blessing, Matt and Mark, and uh, Miss Jen actually built all those things inside. I'm like, are you serious? She goes, I love doing this. I'm like, Something's wrong with you. <laughs> but, yeah. And then Michael, he, he kept us laughing, and, and uh, that's what he does best. Uh, Bob Wilkinson, thank you, Bob. You just... Bob hates to be acknowledged, and so I just want to say thank you, Bob, from the platform, because everything you see around here that gets fixed, Bob did it, and it's such a blessing. Thank you, Bob. And some of the crew that, on the day that the, uh, the roof went in, Mike Devano, Buck Showalter, and then Jeff Peck uh, did all the electric. Just what, what a blessing. All the labor and materials were donated. Yeah. Um, and how about those two uh, guys today? Did Livewires leave yet? Livewires, get out of here. What are you doing? Let's hear for our children as they leave. Yeah. There's a gentleman in the hospital bed next, 
next to this guy. He was covered with bandages from head to toe and said to him, what do you do for a living? The guy said, I'm, I'm a former window washer. He said, well, when did you give it up? He said, about halfway down. So three, three women and three men are traveling by train to the Super Bowl. At the station, uh, the three men each buy a ticket, watches the three women buy just one ticket. And one of the men says, how are the three of you going to travel on only one ticket? Watch and learn, answers one of the women. They all board the train. Three men take the respective seats. All three women cram into a toilet together and close the door. Shortly after the train's departed, the conductor comes around collecting tickets. He knocks on the toilet door and says, ticket, please. Door opens just a crack. A single arm emerges with a ticket in hand. Conductor takes it and moves on. The men see this happen and agree it was quite a clever idea. After the game, they decide to do exactly the same thing on the return trip and save some money. So when they get to the station, they buy a single ticket for the return trip, but, but see to their astonishment that the three women don't buy any ticket at all. How are you going to travel without a ticket, says one perplexed man. Watch and learn, answers the woman. When, when they board the train, the three men cram themselves into a toilet, and the three women cram into another toilet just down the way. Shortly after the train's on its way, one of the women leaves her toilet and walks over to the toilet, which the men are hiding, knocks on the door and says, Ticket, please. So a guy takes his girlfriend to her first football game. Afterward, he asks her how she liked it. She says, I liked it, but I, I couldn't really understand why we're killing each other for 25 cents. He said, what do you mean? She said, well, they tossed that quarter up in the air in the beginning of the game, and, and everyone kept yelling, get the quarterback, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's Super Fan Sunday. Super Bowl 50, it's a big one. Panthers and Broncos. We all know someone who's a fan, right? Do you know that fan is short for fanatic? Not the PH fanatic, but that's the Philly fanatic. Yeah. And there, there are some who are more fanatical than others. I mean, Check out these pics of some crazy fans, right? Yeah. Next. Who else we got? Me? Oh, yeah. Oh. I see what you're doing. <laughs> How'd you get a picture of me up there? All right. And check this guy out. Ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some even carry around a towel. Look at him. Look at him. They got him here today. Oh, whatever. Except they're not in the Super Bowl. Right? 
Fans play a big part in any game, also in the game of life. Amen? Eagles quarterback Sam Bradford recognized this as a young quarterback at Oklahoma University. Check this out real quick. He recorded this when he was at Oklahoma University. When you take the field for the first time every game, my stomach's just knotted up. I'm as nervous as I can be. I hear the fans scream. My mind just starts racing. You know, how am I going to play there? Are we going to play good? Are we prepared? I am a perfectionist, and I try to make everything perfect, whether it's on the field, in the classroom, you know, if we're just playing ping pong in the garage, I expect to win. Everyone in the state, you know, they take football very seriously. There's a lot of pressure on me to play well, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to play well. I realize that every Saturday I'm not doing it by myself. You know, obviously I have teammates and we work as a team, but I know there's something, you know, more than that. I know that the Lord is out there with me. I know that he's given me all the talent that I have, and without him there's no way I would even step foot on a football field. Knowing that you're not out there alone is something that really does allow you to stay calm in such intense and pressure situations. Someone told me, you know, before my first college game, you know, it's not like you've never played football before. And, you know, that's the attitude I try to go into every game with. It's a blessing to be here. You know, I'm probably one of the luckiest people alive to get to play for the team that I've always wanted to play for in my home state. And, you know, I just try to make the most of it and have as much fun as possible. There's a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, and you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. You know, you wake up early, go to workouts, go to class, go to meetings, go to practice, and you just get in this routine where it seems like football, you know, is the only thing controlling your life. And then you've got to throw in school, you know, so you could be up to 11.30 or 12 studying for a test, but then you've got to wake up, you know, at 6 and go to workouts and get your mind back on football. And I think a lot of people just see what happens on Saturdays. To have a relationship with the Lord and to be able to spend time with Him every week. Uh, you know, it's something that really just lets me get away from everything else. You know, when I'm with Him, I stop thinking about school, I stop thinking about football, I stop thinking about any of the problems that are going on in my life. You know, you go through, you know, tens, you know, maybe 20 battles a day with just different things. I know that having a relationship with Him gives me strength knowing that you're stronger with two than you are with one, you know, it gives me a sense of comfort. The minute that you start to think that you're first and he's second, and that what you think and what you have planned in your mind is more important than what he has planned for your life, that's the minute your life starts to go the wrong way. You know, the rewards are eternal life in heaven. Everything that he wants you to do you know, it's the right thing for you to do. And you know, that's how I try to live my life. I try to realize that you know, even though I might think that something you know, is the way I want it to be, if it's not the way that the Lord wants it to be, it's not the way it's going to be in my life. I'm Sam Bradford, and I am second.
I'm second because Jesus is first. It's the only way to live. You know, Sam said, knowing that you're not alone allows you to stay calm in intense situations. I got to tell you, we need the Lord. And, and we need a good team around us. Back in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. He says there's a, there's a crowd of witnesses. There, there's people cheering you on today. There's people in, in heaven. Uh, I got this picture of, of my grandpa and my grandmother are up there. They're, they're leaning over the balcony of heaven. They're cheering me on. Go, go, Greg, go, go. You can make it. Don't give up. There's something about tuning your ear into the crowd, the right crowd. And God has placed many of us here in this family and given us this great crowd around us to cheer us on. We need people speaking into our lives. And he says, because we have this, this great, huge crowd of witnesses, then make some choices. Strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You got a prize at the end. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now, somebody say now. Now, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, there's a prize waiting for you, and if you don't give up, you'll be there. Jesus, because of the joy, because he saw you and I, he saw us coming to him, being part of his family, because of that joy, he went through the cross. He didn't enjoy it, but he went on through because he said there's a greater prize at the end of this. And, and so the writer of Hebrews says, now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Just touch your neighbor and say, come on, we can make this. We got this with Jesus' help. Hallelujah. Sam Bradford talked about the effort and the sacrifice that goes in behind the scenes. There's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. If you're going to make it in this Christian life, if you're going to make it as, as a, a, a player that wins, you've got to put your time in when nobody's watching. Come on. You don't just jump out in the field and, and run 100 yards. You've got to do some training. You've got to give it your best. You've got to go when, when nobody's watching. You've got to go when the coach says go. I've told you my basketball stories. I thought I was good. <laughs> I wasn't bad. It's just the fact that I was out of shape. Coach said, we're going to run. We're going to run. We're going to run. 
put the basketball down, we're going to run. We're going to run. I'm telling you, we ran. I, I ran. I lost pounds. I lost, I lost my lunch. I lost. It was awful. <laughs> we were running lines. We were running steps. We were running track. And we were running everything. And, and the reality was, it was the most miserable time of my life. I don't run. If you know me, you know I'm not a runner. I'll wear the shoes. <laughs> but, yeah. The only reason they got me to run is because they put a basketball in my hand. I can run with the basketball, but don't, you know, hey. But the reality is, unless you train ahead of time, you're not going to make it. And then he'd, he'd run us, run us, run us, run us. And then what did he do? Put the ball in our hands and put us at the free throw line. Exhausted. So I want you to shoot free throws. Because that's when everybody loses at the free throw line in the fourth quarter when they're all dead tired. Sometimes this, this exhausting thing that we think is going on in our life, God is using it to bring you to a whole new level. He's bringing you through some things so that in the end, you won't tire out. You won't give up. And the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Check him out. Don't look anywhere else. He's the one who has authored and perfected your faith. And he didn't give up, and you don't have to either. Hallelujah. Strip off every weight, every sin. Run, run, run. Train yourself. Surround yourself with the right fans. Some of you need to, to walk away from some of the people in your life. Just nudge your neighbor and say, he may be talking to you. Because there's a forever prize, and you don't want to miss out on it. Amen? Who's your biggest fan? Who's cheering you on? Even, they believe in you even though they know you. Right? They're like a friend who sticks closer than a brother. They've seen the worst you, and they still think you're amazing. And when you need someone to lift your spirit, you call them, you text them, you Facebook them, you email them, and you know they're going to be in your corner with a strong word of help or encouragement or even a word of rebuke because they're a friend, a true friend, who speaks into your life even though you may not like it. We all need fans in our corner, amen? I mean, look to Jesus. Listen to his words of encouragement. Get connected to his family. The power place here is a great family. We'll cheer you on. But if you don't like it here, find a place where you can be cheered on by someone in God's family. Amen. And then remove the stuff that would slow you down in this game of life. Run, run, run like your life depends on it because it does. Your life depends on it. Fix your eyes on Jesus and the prize that awaits you at the end. Amen. Yeah, yeah, it is wonderful. Sometimes we try to hide our junk, try to fight it in our own strength, try to medicate it away into oblivion, try to minimize it or even justify it. The Lord says, don't do any of that. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it to me. Confess it. Lay it down and let me help you. 
Let me take those broken pieces of your life and allow me to put them all together. I'll create a beautiful mosaic with all those broken pieces as you follow me. <laughs> you see, when, when Jesus puts those kinds of things together, it screams of his, the artist's, capabilities. Because he can take that which we think is worthless, ready for the trash pile. And sometimes we feel like that, don't we? I mean, we're looking, look at our life and we're going, really, I, I'm, I got nothing, man. I've, I've wasted it all. I've used it up. It's, it's, I'm worthless. But the reality is, you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for you. And Jesus Christ paid the highest price so that you might have life, and life to the fullest, abundant, eternal life. Mm. What an awesome God. Mm. Jesus is your biggest fan. He's done everything necessary for you to win. Don't let there be anything off limits in your life. Give the Lord full access to everything. Let him take everything, put it together for his good. Amen. And here's a question. You need to ask yourself, who am I cheering on in this life? Who am I cheering on in my circle of influence? Who can count on me when they need a word, a text, a call, an email, a hand around the shoulder? Is there someone I can speak into? kind of fan am I for others? You know, fans can be fickle, right? You know, you live in Philly. <laughs> Jesus had some fans, but he also had some followers. Fans can be fickle, but followers are committed. And I guess we need to ask the question, am I simply a fan or am I a fully devoted follower of Christ? Am I casual about this or am I committed? Am I sometimes in, sometimes out? Am I wholehearted or am I half-hearted? Mark chapter 2, verse 13, Jesus went out to the lake shore again, taught the crowds that were coming to him, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, standing, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Seriously? Levi left everything and just followed Jesus. I like Levi. And later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. And you know what? We all have to do that, don't we? You got to invite Jesus in. He comes along and gives you an invitation, but then you've got to invite him to come in as well. And so... Levi invites Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And I love this parenthesis right here. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. <laughs> it's like, check out who's here, right? Ain't nobody good here, right? And, and they're looking around when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples why does he eat with such scum? And, and if you're a religious person, you probably say the same thing here. Why are they doing that out there? Why are they got that? 
there's fog in here. <laughs> this place is full of scum. I know. Ain't it great? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if the guy smoking by the front door bothers you, you probably don't need to come in. Because Jesus hung out with, called, invited scum. And all of us fit that category at some place in our life. So they asked the question. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. It's not the healthy I came to talk to and, and bring into real life. It's those who are sick. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's good news, my friend. Amen. Whosoever will may come. I love Revelation chapter 22. It's one of the, the last verses in, in the Bible. And it says the spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? Us. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come! Let anyone who hears this say, Come! Let anyone who is thirsty, Come! Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. There's no holds barred here. Everybody's welcome. Come! Please, come! Come! Jesus loves you. He has the water of life for you. All you got to do is say, I'm coming. I'm in. I'm coming. Hallelujah. You're in good company here. We're all scum in someone's eyes. But in Jesus' eyes, we're chosen. We're called. We're invited. We're set apart for greatness. We are forgiven. We're reclaimed. We're redeemed. We're restored. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all of that comes by his invitation and our acceptance of his offer. What an awesome God. What a great family to be a part of. Anyone no matter how broken or messed up, can come and follow Jesus. It's not just for the people who have everything together. In fact, you can't get it all together without Jesus. Amen. You can try to. You can look like it on the outside, but we all know what's on the inside because we all got the same junk. Just look at your neighbor and tell him, you got the same junk I got. <laughs> come on, be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> That struck a chord, didn't it? You got the same junk I got. Listen, Jesus isn't waiting for you to get everything right so you can come to him. You come as you are, but be willing to have your world rocked. Because that's what he's going to do. Levi, who dropped everything and followed Jesus, his world was rocked. He was never the same again. Everything that was important to him changed and he followed Jesus to his death. He became a martyr for following Jesus. In fact, almost all of his Jesus' disciples gave their life 
because they believed in Jesus and they followed him. But Levi, along with them, received his forever prize. Come on. You see, there's something far greater than what you can see on this earth. There's something coming that if you'll hang in there with Jesus, there's, there's a eye has not seen, ear has not heard. I mean, you can't even conjure up a picture of what it looks like. You can't experience yet what heaven's all about. But when it's over, we step across that line. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, then he'll take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land. Ah, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more crying over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. Someone has said, when I read the Bible, it feels like God is trying to interfere with my life. What if we went ahead and embraced that fact and realized it's true and go ahead and invite him to interfere with your life? Because what you're go going on right now ain't nothing compared to what he has for you. If you'll just lay down your stuff and follow Jesus. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. He said, these aren't from the Father, they're from the world. And this world, and here's, here's the catch, this world's fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Christy has, has uh, kind of got me hooked on these home improvement shows, <laughs> right? I wish I could too. I call Bob. <laughs> Bob, Chrissy's got another idea. Um, and, and I was watching last night 
We had anchor uh, yesterday. Landon turned 30. And so Anchor was at our house, and you got to love Anchor. He's, he's just, he's one of the greatest kids in the world. Uh, nothing bothers him, unless he's teething. If he's teething, look out, death, <laughs> right? But he just, he, he dances like this. <laughs> he has to sit down when he dances. He sits on my lap, and he goes like this. <laughs> I can't even do it. it He's so good at it. But, but uh, we were watching some home. Oh, it was uh, Vanilla Ice, right? Remember him? Like from the 70s or something? When was he around? I don't know. It's like, whoa. And, and he's, he does these home improvement deals, right? And he was building this multi-million dollar mansion. He took it over, rehabbed it. And I'm thinking, that's, that's what God does to us. He takes something that's broken down, ruined, and, and really messed up, and, and yet there's such value there. And he brought it back to life, and, and then he parked his, his uh, Rolls Royce in the turnstile driveway that he put in. Really? <laughs> and parked his Ferrari there so it could turn and then just go right into the garage. Then come back out and not have to really do anything, just on the turnstile, he could leave. He throws this big party and invites all these people and he's probably gonna make a couple, three million dollars on the deal. And I'm going, that's pretty impressive, right? Some of the stuff he did. And yet, something in the back of my mind reminded me, it's all fading away. The Ferrari's going to break down eventually. Rolls Royce is going to rust. Maybe not for 100 years or so, but it will eventually. $40,000 garage doors. They're nice, but it's going away. It's perishing. It's, it's fading away. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the news lately where the, the whole coastline has fallen off, right? you got these multi-million dollar homes that are just collapsing into the, the ocean. And, and the story's the same every time. You watch what happens with the flooding down at the shore. and It's the same story every time. Worked my whole life for this. Given everything I've got for this. Now it's gone. It's gone. I don't know if we'll be able to rebuild. And, and, it, and I feel bad. Something inside of me says, I'm so sorry. But you got to get a different perspective because everything you see is going away. It's going to be destroyed. Peter said this whole place is burning up by fire. The apostle Peter, he said, I've seen in the future. This whole place is burning up. It's gone. Gone. Nil. Nothing. 
So he says, what kind of people should we be keeping that perspective? And, and little John says the same thing here. He said, the, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. He says, look, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But, 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 but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Look, there's a huge contrast here. Go after what this world says. Be a fan of the world, but you're going to miss out on what God has for you in the end. Because If you go after what God has, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. You may not get them here. I don't want them here. I want them there because that's eternity. I heard the old song when I was growing up. I sing, just want a little cabin in the corner of glory land. I don't want a cabin. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. Okay, sorry. What time is it? Oh. Sometimes fans check out, but followers stay committed to the end. When you're a follower of Jesus, you win in the end. Come on. All right. I, yeah. That, that, we're going to, we're just going to pray, all right? Because God's got such a future, a future so glorious, you can't even put it into words Amen. if you'll just follow him. All you got to do is follow him. Follow. You don't have to be the craziest fan in the place. But you do have to follow. And when you follow him, it changes everything. When you follow him, he'll take you places you've never been before. He'll, he'll take you areas where you're thinking, what are we doing here? And, and God says, I got a plan. I got a big plan. Just follow me. Just keep walking. Follow me. I've seen a lot of fans burn out and basically walk away. In fact, they did it in Jesus' day. And you read the, the sixth chapter of John. Verse 60. teaching about himself being the bread of life and everybody's freaking out they're going dude seriously Moses gave us man in the wilderness what about what about you and he says I am the bread of life you got to eat me you got to drink my blood and the disciples are like this is a hard teaching who can accept it right where 
that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. If there are some of you who don't believe, Jesus had known from the beginning which of them that did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father's enabled them. Verse 66 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Like, ah, this is too tough. I don't know. I don't know if I can take it. Many of his disciples turned back and quit following him. Because they didn't like the message. And they're like, I don't know if I can handle that. Jesus asked the 12, verse 67, you don't want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? I mean, where do you want us to go? You have the words of eternal life. There's no other option here. You're the only one the words of eternal life. Well, there's a lot of promises of life around. There's only one who can fulfill those promises. That's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the bread of life, the one who has given himself, shed his blood so that you and I can be made clean. So that scum like us can be brought into a new level of living. It's the awesome God we serve. Please give the person next to you the privacy of this moment. In just a minute, we walk away from this place. For some, it may become just a distant memory. But God wants to do something at this intersection of your life. He brought you here, stopped you just for a moment. you so much. He wants you to have this eternal life. It's only found one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor? I want that eternal life. I'm tired of being a fan of this world. I want to be a follower of Jesus. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now, up high. We're going to pray together. Yes, yes. All over. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Anyone else? God's speaking to your heart. You know it. Your, your heart's pounding out of your chest. You're going, I need to do this. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to follow him. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who took my place. The one who's setting me free today. I love you today. Lord, I pray for every person who raised their hand. Lord, everyone who didn't but needed to, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would just reach it down inside of them. Do something miraculous and special in them today. May they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. Before
before we pray. We're going to pray out loud. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not a question. It's not, oh, I don't know if I am. Will be. You shall be. So we're going to confess today. Those of you who raised your hand, I want you to pray this out loud with me. Let yourself hear yourself. All right? Let the enemy hear you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I declare today that you, Lord Jesus, are Lord of my life. I declare that my sin is taken care of, that you're washing me clean. You're making me brand new. I love you, Jesus. And I choose today to follow you with all my heart. Wherever you lead me, help me never to walk away. In Jesus' name.